It is a decision to shift from internalizing to asking for help. Because once they've made the decision to shift, everything flows from that. So it's identifying what are the stories that have influenced where you are right now that can help you make a decision to shift. That's Jeanette Jifkins, and you're listening to episode 23 of the Super Dad Show. Janet Jifkins, welcome to the Super Dad Show. Thanks very much for having me, Jared. You're welcome. I'm really glad you've joined us today. And uh, yeah. you're the first online lawyer that I've met. Yeah. And I'm reading about all the different things that your company does. And I see that you've got a huge interest in psychological services. And the card I have in front of me, you know, and what we spoke about is that, uh, you know, you, you work with on the line and I'm just looking at that website right now and, you know, I love this. It says that um, it's all about encouraging people to feel better and create a life worth living. Yep. And, um, you know, it offers counselling, risk assessment, social media moderation, 24-7 telephone, web chat, video counselling for over 80,000 people per year. Yep. Um, some of Australia's most vital counselling services. How did you get involved with all of this in the first place? Um, I, so I was in-house counsel with the Australian Psychological Society for four and, mm. half, four and a half years. And okay. through that, obviously, I met a lot of psychologists, one of whom is still on the board at On The Line with me, and he introduced me to On The Line. So when I first found out about it, it was called Crisis Support Services. Mm -hmm. And at that time, we still, we were providing Men's Line and a couple of other services. But the organisation's actually been around for 55 years. So I joined the board through his invitation in 2013 and when he stepped down as chair in 2015, I put my hand up and the board endorsed me in that position. We've put on 13 service lines. So we've gone from nine service lines to 21 service lines in wow. the last years. Uh, we've completely replaced our executive. We've replaced 20% of our staff. There's a gentleman we're talking to at the moment who um, is focused on innovation in mental health services mm -hmm. and he developed a product called how the world is feeling it's an app and uh, did an assessment and as a result of that how is the world feeling some of the it's actually worth looking up um, his name's Lee Crockford there's mm -hmm. a TEDx talk you'll probably find really interesting right. one, of, one of the key things I found interesting about his TEDx pre presentation is that they overlaid um, responses from men and responses from women and we're able to categorically demonstrate that men and women feel the same way mm, mm, you know, mm, there is mm. no emotional women are not more emotional than men mm. um, that kind of thing which mm. for me you know I don't know if you had a chance to read but the, one of the LinkedIn articles I published is men have feelings too I haven't read that yet no yeah, tell us well, about that the reason I published that was I went to a networking event and the woman who was running it um, made, she talked about the five love languages. Have you heard mm -hmm. of that? Yes. Yep. yep. I've so read she parts yep. of it. Yep. So she talked about that and she said, you know, to the guys in the room, I want you to go home and look at this up because it's really, you know, really important to your wives. Mm. And I piped up and I said, yes, and for the women too. And mm. she said, mm. no women are more emotional for men so it's more important for the men to look at this and apply it mm. and i was furious i was so furious i couldn't speak mm. um 
so I went home and I wrote this article because, you know, I think the first realisation I had that men are impacted as significantly as women by mm. emotional things was when one of my brothers, we were teenagers and one of my brothers broke up with his girlfriend and it devastated him, you know, and it wasn't until I saw that happen in front of me that I realised mm. the impact's no different mm. between guys and girls. Yep. Um, and then, you know, years and years later, this woman is a respected coach. For her to pipe up and say that in front of a room full of people was mm -hmm. just so irresponsible as far as I was concerned. Mm -hmm. um, so I wrote that article in response. So um, for me, I'll be speaking in August at a Blokepedia event about men's mental health. Um, and for me, the reason I'm involved and the reason why I like to do this is, um, you know, the men in my life are important to me. I want them mm -hmm. around. <laughs> I wrote this the other day and I told it what I've seen after two and a half years running Super Dads online. And these were my reflections. I said, I've seen that the majority of dads in our group tend to sit on the sidelines, barely of ever interacting with a lot of the other members, um, as opposed to a lot of mothers groups that I see that have a lot of interaction. Um, you know, there's maybe 10, 20% at best that are part of the group that will actually you know, like and engage consistently. I go on to talk about the other side of the coin and the minority who are willing to be vulnerable and talk about their feelings and communicate openly with their partner and accept responsibility for their part to play in the issues that are happening in their life. For me, what I've experienced is that as a general rule, dads do seem to withdraw and feel like they can fix their problems themselves until they finally realise that they can't or that they should get some professional help. And what I'm seeing is that a lot of these relationship breakdowns are happening because the men are not paying attention to the signs that the woman is about to walk out the door because they've had enough of that man's inaction or withdrawal symptoms whenever you know those financial problems come up that are not getting any better instead of actually sitting down and having that conversation the bloke's like it's all right i'll just work harder or or you know it'll get better or you know and they, they fog off those things instead of having those deep conversations and i'm using this as a general rule i'm not saying every dad's like that or or you know, all men can't talk about their feelings openly or that women don't have the same issues as well of withdrawing inside themselves when there's problems. But, you know, I, I right. guess I'm just it's, asking your opinion of what I've written and so how I'm feeling about... There's a couple of key things there. Mm. So the, the thing that <clears throat> Lee came up with in How the World's Feeling, that's about how people are, are feeling, not how people respond. Okay. Okay, so the first yep. thing is separating the response from the feelings. Mm. And one is acknowledging that people actually feel. Um, now, the other is how they respond to that depends on how they've been brought up and what skills they've been taught in their development sure. ages. Mm. Mm. Um, and one of the things that Lee also raises in his presentation is the common theme in the way that we respond to boys in their growing up, particularly my generation, so I'm 47, 
47 years ago in or 37 years ago the 10 years before that the way we responded to boys was man up boys don't cry suck it up Mm. you know all of those sort of attitudes and Mm. what that's done is created a framework for how men interact with the world and that's part of the reason why they internalize instead of externalize because Mm. we've never supported them to do that yeah um and it is a massive shift for a man to go from a space of internalizing to mm. a space of externalizing. Mm. But that mm. shift is a decision point. Yep. So what it is in I terms of yeah. yeah, what it is is in terms of conveying with men is it is a decision mm. to shift from internalizing to asking for help. Yep. Mm. The things that influence that decision are based on, you know, all of the things you learned growing up, all of the things you were taught, and it's questioning all of those things you were taught and whether they're valid or not. Mm. And in a lot of cases, they're not valid. They were just statements that came out of societal expectations. Mm. They're Mm. not right or wrong. They're just stories. Yeah. So it's identifying what are the stories that have influenced where you are right now that can help you make a decision to shift. Mm. Um, Because once they've made the decision to shift... Everything flows from that. But it's making that decision to shift. It's first recognizing that, yes, you have feelings Mm. and, yes, you internalize them and there is another way to deal with it. But what requires the other way to deal with it is you've got to trust the people around you, not Mm. 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 And that's a massive thing because when you've got men in a position where they've always been expected to Mm. be a certain way, um any criticism of that is damaging. Um, you know, it, it's the ego position and all that sort of thing. And I'm speaking from experience with my husband and my sons and my brothers and that kind of thing. Mm. When you look at the way that they've dealt with the world um, and friends, actually, one common theme that has come across with men, particularly in my age group, is they didn't believe they were loved when they were young. So they don't know how to let someone love them and what that looks like so to let someone love you is to allow someone in to trust them not to hurt you Mm, mm -hmm. when you are exposing all of who you are Mm. you know trusting them to accept you for who you are and then believing that it's real when somebody adores you so one of one of our friends who has been in a relationship for five years now after being divorced for 20 years, Mm. um, it took him a year to become comfortable with having a woman who adores him because he just, he couldn't deal with it. It's a lot, you know, and my husband struggled the same because he'd never had that before. He didn't know how to allow that to be, Mm. you know? Um, So it's, it's looking at all of those kind of influences, you know, what does it feel like to actually let someone love you? You know, and that does make you vulnerable because what it is is enabling that level, a high level of trust that they've got your best interests in heart, that it's unconditional, that whatever you do wrong isn't going to destroy the relationship, that the next argument isn't going to, result in someone walking out the door, those kind of things. Mm. That's a massive thing for Mm. any individual. Now, in the women's space, 
they're able to have those conversations and feed it off each other and reframe interactions that happen so that nothing becomes extreme. Whereas mm. men who internalize it, they don't have the benefit of other people's experience. They don't know what it's really like. And because they don't know that, they have this massive fear around it. So they shut it out instead of allowing it in. So there's a whole lot of different influences like that. And it requires um, nurturing, I guess. Mm. And from my perspective, I think the women, you know, we've gone too far with feminism from my perspective in that we don't nurture the relationships around us. There's a huge expectation. I see it in our daughter. She expects a guy to look after her. It's like, but what are you doing in return? Oh, it's mm. not my job. Well, yeah, it is. You know, a relationship is a two-way street. If you're not prepared to give as much to the relationship, then you're not going to get what you're expecting. Mm-hmm. And it is going to fall apart. Um, you can't just sit there and expect to be a princess on a throne and have everything done for you. Mm. It requires effort. It requires work. And what that means is um, men also have to develop a conversation where they're able to share what their expectations of a relationship are. You know, they need to be able to say, you know, what, when I come home from work, I know that you've been, you know, you've been at work all day as well and you're stressed and everything. When we come in the door, I just want a hug, you know, and being able to say that if that's what they want. Or when I come in the door, I actually need to shift. I need to reframe. I need to go from that work environment to home and I need 10 minutes to do that. And that 10 minutes, I just need to go and get changed, mm. you know, go to the bathroom, grab a drink, look at the stars, whatever it is. I need that time yep. to be able to reframe so I can be here for you. But because they don't have the experience in those conversations, they don't know how to have them unless they've seen it from their parents. Now, there are some people who had amazing parents who were able to share that with them and they developed those skills on the way through. Mm-hmm. And a lot of guys just don't even know that those skills are available. Yeah. Um, so while you're saying people don't take responsibility, I think part of that conversation, and I've had this conversation with girlfriends where they're concerned about their husbands and their relationship with their husbands. Mm-hmm. Um, one woman I was speaking to, she was saying that her husband says, oh, no, he's not doing counselling or anything because it's not his fault. So it's shifting that conversation and getting both men and women to understand it's not a fault conversation. What it is, is it's like going to the gym. When you go to the gym, you get a personal trainer because they can teach you new skills. They can show you how to do things just a little bit better. They help you shift stuff so that you're in a better space. You get more effective exercise. You do this, that, and the other. Counseling is not about blame. It's not about whose fault it is. What it is, is about what skills can I learn that can help Mm. me tweak this or shift that to improve so my performance is better in that area. Because then I'll feel better about myself, my relationship will be better, all of these sorts of things. Mm. Um, And the biggest shift for um, my husband was someone he trusted who is a friend of ours who's also a psychologist approached him and said, I'd really like to work with you because I can see how I can help you. Would you do this with me? And he did. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, But he couldn't talk to anybody else. So yep. there was already a situation of trust there. The connection, yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. Um, mm. So you know that's sort of a broad brush of a whole lot of things, but I think what it is is 
it's understanding that yes, you have feelings and that's valid. <clears throat> and a man's feelings are no different from a woman's. Mm -hmm. So everybody in the world goes through the same sort of things that you're going through. Yep. And there is a decision point of shifting from that to asking for help. Mm. And it's what are all the influences on your ability to make that decision? Um, some are knowing what you need to know in order to make a decision. Some are having a level of trust, you know, a trusted relationship or something that gives you the freedom to make that decision. Yeah. Um, and understanding the benefits of what happens when you shift from this, you know, constricted, confined space to being able to share. Um, and, you know, a problem shared is a problem halved. So it's, it's understanding all of those sorts of things. So I don't mm. think where you're saying it's guys not prepared to take responsibility, I think what it is, for me, the, whenever the word responsibility comes up, it's the ab ability to respond. Unless you are prepared to take responsibility for something, you do not have an ability to respond to that situation. Pardon me. So rather than it be a blame conversation, it is, actually, I want to have an influence in this situation and therefore I need to take responsibility for it. What am I choosing to take responsibility for? And then what does that empower me to do? That was so powerful. <laughs> wow. I've been really yeah. fortunate in yeah. that I have exceptionally wise parents mm. and who have brought us up with this. Mm. And I've also had a husband who has spent the time to go through a lot of education and training and learning. Mm. And I've also done a lot of reading. Yeah. And I believe in this stuff. Yeah. You know? Um, I can so, tell. Yeah. So it makes, it makes a big difference for me to be mm. able to work in this space mm. and to have a little bit of influence on a lot of people's lives that might mm. help them shift to mm. a space where they have greater freedom. Yeah, absolutely. So look, I'll, I'll share my personal experience was uh, many years ago having a grass is greener on the other side moment because of how unhappy I was with how I was managing the stress and pressure that I was putting on myself first, but also yeah. just feeling off others, you know, financial pressure, um, work pressure and just, you know, I found that what I eventually did was I broke down to my wife and I said, I'm not coping. I'm, I'm so close to cracking and I'm, I'm feeling tempted by other women because our relationship doesn't feel like our connection is growing. It feels like it's getting weaker through the process of bringing up kids and, and, uh, you know, everything that I feel like is on my plate right now. So I took myself to a counsellor myself and um, and I talked about this. And, you know, she was the one who pretty much said, you know, the grass isn't greener on the other side. If you get in another relationship with someone else who doesn't have kids or, or you know, even if they do, there's going to be that honeymoon period, which I talked about with Dr. George just the other day on a podcast but eventually those same issues are going to come up unless you've worked on yourself as to why they're coming up in the first place. So then we both went as a couple. We talked about what came up in the first conversation. We talked about our relationship and we talked about strategies to reconnect and, um, and to deepen that connection. And, and part of it was, you know, that 
inconsistency of you know me being a bodybuilder all of my training going off and going surfing and climbing mountains and things like that for my stress relief which i felt like i needed but my wife was needed so much more by the kids she didn't have that opportunity in the same way i had um, just because of how much the kids required her at that younger age and wanted her more than me which for me that made me feel crap inside myself as well that I couldn't help you know I was almost running away because I felt I wasn't needed as much um, you know so I had to work through all of that and work out how to give my wife the time to go and have that stress relief herself and how to step up as a dad and do a bit more that I could and I guess deepen my connection with my kids as well so that they wanted me to because obviously working long hours and coming home a bit stressed and wanting to switch off, um, <laughs> you know, that, that wasn't working either. So, um, so there are a lot of improvements I started to make on myself. And, um, and, you know, my wife had the opportunity to then work on herself with this counsellor as well. And she was willing to, you know. But for some of these dads who are stepping into the programs that I'm running who are part of our group, who are doing that personal development on themselves, if they've got a partner that doesn't want to deal with the fact that they are depressed, that their anxiety is causing issues in the relationship, that um, they won't go off and do that stress relief away from the family for themselves so that they can show up as a calmer and more patient mother themselves, if they're not willing to accept responsibility for the issues in the relationship, um, you know, and, and, and work together to improve it. What's, what, what can they do? You know, the, the, the dads who really want to encourage their partner to get help. I think, I don't know. I think everybody's different. So there's a different trigger for everyone, but mm. for me, um, my learning in the relationship I have with my husband, and this is for me personally, is I can put all sorts of expectations on our relationship and on him and all of that sort of thing. But mm -hmm. if, I'm, if I truly love him and want him for who he is, then I have to accept who he is for all of who he is. Um, and acceptance is unconditional love it is just saying whatever their baggage is whatever every, anything to do with who they are is mm. can i live with that yep. and if i can't live with that well why not mm. and what is it that you know is it that important is it mm. fatal to the relationship is it all of these sorts of questions mm. um because wherever there's dissonance there's always a way to get back to balance um, so for me, one of the things I went through about 18 months ago was I was angry at my husband because he wasn't bringing the same level of income into our family as I was. Mm -hmm. And when I sat back and looked at it objectively, he's 13 years older than me. He's been there and done that. Like where I'm at now, he did 13 years ago and he's, like he's 60 this year he's ready to retire mm. 
And is that a bad thing? So if he's actually at a point where he's ready to retire and he doesn't want to have a full-time job, that means he's not going to be contributing as much financially to our family. And if we want, you know, if we want the lifestyle that we want moving forward and we want to do the things we want to do moving forward, what does that mean for us as a couple and how we mm, mm. operate and all those sorts of things? And it made me completely reframe how we worked from that perspective in our relationship. Um, so we sat down and we talked about it. And I said, okay, I've just had this realisation. I now get that you're at this stage. And I didn't realise that. And I had these expectations that you'd be doing what I'd be doing. But now I've, you know, these are the thoughts that have gone through my head. This is where I've got to. Yep. Where is it that you want to go? What do you want to do? Um, and here's my ideas on how we can reframe and restructure mm -hmm. what we're doing so that we maintain the level of lifestyle and income and all those sorts of things that we want to do. Yep. Um, but it became a conversation. And where it started was I was angry at my husband and I wasn't accepting him for who he was and where he was and what he was doing. Mm. So the very first question in that situation, so where you've got a woman who's not prepared to go and do stuff, it's does she accept her husband for who he is? And if she doesn't, what, what's missing? What's, what decision does she have to make about what, or vice versa? So if the husband is concerned about the woman not going and doing some work on herself and feeling that she has to, um, how important is that to their relationship? because it can and it cannot be fatal to the relationship. So I look at another couple I know where one is, has done a lot of work in this area, has a lot of knowledge in this area, has a lot of understanding, married a woman who has never, ever done any, has zero personal awareness, limited emotional intelligence, has never done any of this stuff in her life. And he had to sit back and go, well, actually, that's, you know, I'm attracted to who she is. Mm. And if that is part of who she is, then I accept that. I can't make her suddenly have realisations about emotional intelligence or personal development or self-awareness mm. or any mm. of those mm. things. Because yep. it's not who she is and that's not who <clears> I feel <throat> in love with anyway. Mm. So why should I place those expectations on her? Because that's not how we got together in the first place. Mm. But, you know... I know in my own relationship, I go off to so many conferences and read so many personal development books and I'm, I'm always sort of trying to surround myself with things to help me grow in all these different areas. Now, my wife, my, I know, I know, but my wife would really dislike sitting through a full day conference with people talking about personal development stuff. Now, I love who she is as a person, but I sometimes get concerned that doing all these things away from the relationship to better myself, that we're going to, uh, I, I'm going to say, I feel You're like... You're afraid I'm, you might grow apart. Yes. Because you have different interests in different areas. So what you do is you focus on... In terms of, see, because that's a different thing. That's about maintaining a relationship. And in terms of maintaining a relationship, what you're looking at is what's important to, for me, mm. I look at my husband every day and I go, what is one thing I could do today to make his world better? Mm. You know, mm. yeah. what is one thing I could do that would make him smile? And what tends to come up for you? What are the, what are the things you do? Well, different things. Like last night I bought some Tim Tams on the way home. 
<laughs> you know, yeah. um, uh, sometimes it's, um, you know, rubbing, rubbing his shoulders or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes I buy him flowers from time to time. Um, oh, aren't you a catch? Uh, well, you know, we've, we've both put a lot of work into this mm. and it's, it is very much about identifying what's important to the other person. And, you know, yeah. sometimes it's just, I, I don't make me a cup of tea without asking him if he wants one. Yep. Yep. Um, if he's been sitting out in the shed doing stuff and I know he's been out there for the last couple of hours, I might just take him a glass of water. Um, you know, it's, it's the little things that make a difference that let, your partner know you're thinking about them and what's important to them um, and who you are because I have this challenge because I'm trying to build a business and I'm trying to build a, a new professional career and all mm-hmm. of these sorts of things and that takes me away and there are conversations we have which upset him because yeah. I'll come in and I'll talk about what I've just learned at this particular thing or mm-hmm. have a great conversation with someone and he'll get yeah. upset because he feels like I'm leaving him behind. Mm-hmm. So then it's a matter of making sure that I engage him in the conversations he wants to be engaged in and I let him know what I'm up to and and I'll invite him to contribute a thought or an idea to what I'm doing mm. um, so that he feels he's still part of my life, yep. even though it might just be in a small thing. So mm. with the conferences and stuff that you learn and how you develop, maybe it's picking out one thing that you picked up in that conference and you engage her by asking her her thoughts on that topic. Have you ever thought about this? What's your experience? What have you seen? Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't, it doesn't have to be the whole thing. What it is is ensuring that they feel they're still part of your life by engaging Mm -hmm. them on just, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be every single conference. Yeah. Yep. You know, it has to be enough that they feel they're still an important part of your life, but that's all it is. Yep. And that requires an effort on your part to say, I don't actually want to grow apart. I want us to be together. And so I need to engage you in what I'm doing, not expect you to just come along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And look, and that- I take I take the last parenting course. I did. My wife, I, I got home and went straight into my office and made a podcast about it while it was uh, all still uh, fresh in my head. And then I said, oh, you should really listen to that podcast. She said, just, just tell me, you know, or, or show me, <laughs> you know, let, implement those things into our home and then I will learn. Yeah, know? exactly. Yep. Mm, mm, mm. So uh, let's just say that your partner um, gets home every night from work and drinks six beers or... Yep goes into the back shed and gets really stoned. Um, You know, if they've got habits like that that you don't agree with, um, which happens a lot is, you know, dad's dealing with their stress with unhealthy addictions and, you know, the weight's getting on, um, their health is deteriorating, the partner can see that, you can see that of, of your husband. How do you have that sort of conversation if they're not willing to change because that brings joy into their life to do that or, or that's something that they're not willing to give up? Well, you've got to tell them the value. So the value exchange. For me, it is in that situation, the important thing for me is I have a husband. I keep telling him I need a good 40 years from him. 
I want to grow old with him. I need him to be there when we're in our 70s. Yep. And that what, you know, if he's, my husband does drink a lot of beer, so it is, you know, it does worry me the amount of beer he drinks. But then I actually have to be realistic and say, well, he'll go without beer for three weeks. So it's not like he's an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's looking at his lifestyle and how that impacts him. Mm-hmm. If he was going out the back and getting stoned every night, I would be really worried. But the conversation for me would be, I am, it stresses me to watch you do that because my concern is it's going to kill you. And that means I'm without you and you leave me alone and I don't want that. The most important thing for me is that I have my husband in 40 years Mm. um, because that's really important for me for the experiences that we can share together that, you know, it is, it's, it's a big priority for me to have him around to share my life with. Mm. Um, And it's that if you, if you can convey that level of value, if you can get a person to understand how important they are at that level, then the addictions and that kind of thing fall mm. away. Because yep. when they weigh them up, mm-hmm. they go, holy shit, this is, this is much more important than that. Yeah. But until you can give them that, you know, like you can't tell them no, stop, because you're not replacing it with anything. You're not mm-hmm. giving them the alternative. And the alternative is that when we're in our 80s, we get to watch our grandkids play around our feet together and hold hands, you know, that little thing. Um, that's, you've got to be able to have that conversation. Absolutely. And mean it. Absolutely. Um, and that, I think, will have the influence to mm. support people to go and get help. Yep. Um, yep. But until you can give them, you know, and you've got to show them that value. You've got to show them the benefit of the change because if they don't see the benefit of the change, then why would they? Mm. And, yeah. you know, it's the conversation we had before. A lot of guys don't know that they're allowed to be loved. And actually there's a lot of women out there too who are just as bad. But, you know, we have a society which doesn't necessarily value people as individuals and there's a whole lot of people walking around with that conversation in their head that I'm unlovable and you've got to shift those conversations Mm. and look there's a I didn't realize when I started up a group to support me through my (laughs) let's call them minor issues that uh, there were so many dads out there so broke and broken and defeated and depressed and had been through the ringer in relationships and had their partner cheat on them. And, and as you said, just not feeling loved, you know, and, um, and not willing to then embark on the next relationship because of fear. Yeah. And, um, and it's, it's sad, you know, and I'm, and I'm on a mission to support these dads. Um, but it takes them being willing to rise up. It takes them, having that rock bottom moment sometimes where they go enough is enough. You know, yeah. it, it takes them um, being ready to invest in themselves because I've got a family to support and this is, you know, my career in supporting dads with their health and fitness, which is what I'm great at and growing every day to be the best mindset coach for dads I can be and ask those tough questions and, and, give them the kick up the bum they need and the accountability that they need that hasn't been there in the past. 
and get the right professionals on board in areas that I'm not strong in yet, you know? And so yeah. really hope that someone listening to this today um, does take action to, uh, to improve their life and, and get the help that they need, um, you know, from us, from anyone, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes that's all it is, is, you know, that's the are you okay today um, conversation is just about creating an opening for people to talk. Mm -hmm. um, and it's being brave enough to actually take that opening and run with it and trust that the people who are asking actually care mm. and they're there to support. It's not about judgment. It's just about people do care and people want to help. Yep. Um, and people would rather see, most people in life would rather see you happy than sad. And if they can help to help you feel happy, then they'll do that. And Absolutely. it's believing that people will do that for you. Absolutely. There's a whole lot of resources out there in the world if you mm. want to start asking questions and learning. I guess I'm just looking at... Um, how do you from what we've Well, from what, from what we've talked about today, yeah, how do I engage the audience to come into this fantastic thing that... I'm okay so that's a that's a marketing question mm. and one of the things that Phil Devella said this morning was it's learning how to tell your story most effectively to touch the most number of people mm. so mm. it's telling your story and the story is um, for the people that you want to engage um, that you got to a point where you were able to make a decision to change and involve other people in the struggles that you were facing mm. So how do you make that decision to involve other people to make your life easier for you? Mm, mm. You know, um, and it's, so it, I would suggest you go back to your client, existing client base and you ask them the questions, what made you come on board? Because they're there. They yep. came to you. There was a trigger for them already. How do you accentuate that trigger so that you touch more people? Mm. Well, you know, this podcast is me touching more people and you have touched so many people that we've, uh, um, you know, spoken to today, I'm sure, because we've had so many great questions that you've answered so articulately with you know, the amount of years of experience that you have in this area. So Jeanette Jifkins, thank you so much for joining us on the Sudad Show today. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Whether you're a dad or not, if you listen to the show and you love what you heard, please go to www.patreon.com slash superdads online and sign up as a patron for just $5. In exchange, I will send you a coupon code to use in our superfamiliesonline.com merchandise store and you can get $5 off your first purchase and order a super dad, mum, kid, or teen t-shirt and other merchandise. Hear me on the next episode of the Super Dad Show. Thanks for listening.